0: This Choircast podcast is brought to you by There Once Were Orange Groves, an upcoming autofiction novel by David Giles. This is a novel about two siblings, Audrey and Jacob, who are both grieving the sudden passing of their father. This bad news arrives soon after Audrey moves out of California and Jacob returns home from college. This book explores how each of them deals with their grief as it colors their day-to-day lives. It's a novel about stories, finding beauty in the little things and the places those moments inhabit. Available on Amazon on September 19th.
1: The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in
0: me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know.
1: This is the only place where you can see truth.
0: Hey, heathens, you're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lacey. And I'm Lola. And this shit is culty. Culty. Hey, guys. Very culty. Very, 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 very culty. And it's a more modern case. Like, this happened in the part that we're going to, you know, the main point of the case uh, actually happened in, like, 2016. So,
1: not too long ago. I knew it would be the year that I graduated
0: Yeah. Oh, you graduated in 2016. I did. Oh, I was having my second kid at that time. Shut
1: (laughs) up. I am making a scrapbook of all my old photos from like high school and college. And I was labeling, I was like, oh, 2016, 2016. And I think that wasn't long ago, but it was.
0: That is crazy. I graduated in 2007.
1: That's weird. That
0: was nine years before you.
1: I all I remember from that year is wearing gaucho pants. Yes.
0: Oh, I fucking love gaucho pants. The sequin,
1: uh, sequin bags. You mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like very.
0: Those were, those were the the shiznat.
1: Very early two thousands fashion. I was happening.
0: Uh huh. I was so digging it. Flip flops and the gauchos. <laughs> yeah. Did were you? How old are you when they had those sandals that had like the. I'm going to call it grass because like that's all I can think of. They were like grass. Yeah. They were the plastic sandals. And then what you set your foot on was this like, like turf. Kind of like it was this uh, plastic sponge stuff that you like set your foot on. Okay. There are people out there that know exactly what I have, I'm have no idea talking. what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember the jelly shoes, so, but those are just jelly, so like think jelly shoes, but with this like plastic sponge oh, a sponge it's kind of yeah, I said grass, but it's more like a a sponge type. Mm-hmm. I want to say they started with an s. What the hell were those shoes? Okay, well, I went to a birthday party the
1: other day, which was on a Sunday night. And Sunday nights are my nights bef- where I cry before I have to do things. So, because
0: oh, you go back to work.
1: Yeah, Because I, so I couldn't cry this time. But uh, we were playing a game, and in the game, somehow moon shoes were brought up. Do you know what moon shoes are?
0: I do not know what moon shoes are.
1: Okay, you were definitely like an older person, and these would not have applied to your demographic in this time yeah but when I was like eight years old there so around two thousand and seven <laughs> there was moon moon shoes or moon boots, and okay, they had many trampolines on people broke their fucking ankles, like it was boots what? that had many trampolines on the bottom of them, so you could like jump really
0: high. it was like anti gravity shoes. I am vaguely remembering these now. Yeah. Yes. Those yeah. things. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. They still
1: sell them, but like they're not, that whole brand was kind of done away with because they had lawsuits because kids were breaking their ankles.
0: Yeah. Nah, shit, Sherlock. Who's going to see so. that coming? Okay. I found them. Those. <gasps> oh my God. I remember. Okay. Yes. The brand is, I'm going to butcher it. It's like Sanku or something. It's like S huh. A. S A N K U or something like that. S A N U K. I don't know how you say it, but literally, like we Salk. all had those. I don't know how you say it. South. But I was right. It started with an S. But oh, these were the shit sandals. Like everyone was wearing these flip flops. Yes. And I they remember were loud this. as fuck. You would walk through a store. It was just yes. like cloth. I sounded like a fish horse trying. Walk a watery mm.
1: Clydesdale, if you will. There you go. <laughs> that was the grossest thing I've ever said on this whole show was a watery <laughs> Clydesdale. <laughs> uh, it wasn't that thing about no. drinking your own urine or eating your own shit. It was definitely the watery Clydesdale.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's uh, go ahead and jump into today's case. I have a cult for you guys today and I don't want one. No, you don't. You definitely don't want this one. I don't think you want any cults, really, but this one's definitely in the mic top. Do not want to be in cults. But this case has so many people involved in it that I have to do a two-parter. So you guys, this is your first and definitely not last two-parter case that we're going to be sharing with you. So today will be part one, and then next week you'll get part two. But Woo! Yeah, so it's our first it's our, one. It's our first one. I was <laughs> trying to get this into one case, but I just couldn't, or like one episode, but I just couldn't. And I finally texted Lola. I was like, girl, I got to do two parts. She's like, let's do it. So. Here we are. I'm ready. Um, there's a lot of trigger warnings for this case. Of course, it's a cult, so there's going to be a lot of brainwashing and manipulation. There's a lot of spiritual, mental, and emotional abuse to everybody in the case, but there's also physical abuse towards children. There's torture, and there's mentions of molestation and suicide. So, Ugh. there's a lot going on here. Also, I want to make a preface that with this case, I actually did speak with the sister of the victim of the case. Um, i actually friends with her now on Facebook, and I have spent a lot of time talking with her. She grew up in this cult, and so she just she really knew a lot. She helped me understand a lot of different aspects, and so I'm going to give kind of her um, opinion on a couple of things, and you'll know because I'll tell you. But I also want to say when we're talking about cults, it can be really easy to... Have those moments where you can be like, "I would never," or "How did they let themselves get this far?" or "Or why didn't they just leave?" It's really easy as an outsider to say those things, especially somebody who has never experienced any time any kind of brainwashing or manipulation. Um, and so, there are people that are very well educated, that are you know great human beings. Who can get sucked into cults? Like, there, it's not just the poor or the uneducated. It's literally everybody in in all of society that can be a victim of being a, being in a cult. So,
1: can I add something
0: yes, to that? Yes. Too?
1: Uh Absolutely. If you're susceptible to propaganda or to marketing, you find things aesthetically pleasing. If you if you subscribe to certain like shows, you're easily influenced. Yeah. That's just part of being a human. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's just Mm-mm. cults will market certain things that you find appealing, mm-hmm. you know, or that a great demographic finds appealing. Right. And go for it. Like, love sounds great to all of us, does it not? Right. You know, exactly. World peace,
0: money sounds whatever. wonderful. <laughs> right. And when you tie religious beliefs into it and like salvation and things like that, it can make it even more. Uh, it can make you more susceptible, especially if you are a spiritual type person. It so, grows the
1: roots, like all it does. of all of the religious aspects,
0: really like cement those ideas in place. So yeah. It's nobody's fault. So please keep that in mind. There is so much that goes on with this case. Um, there's actually a book, it's called Without a Prayer, and it's by a woman named Susan Ashlin, who actually Crystal helped her get the information and help write this book. Um, some of the names in this story have been changed for legal reasons. And so I'm going to be presenting the names as if, as, as how it was presented in the book. Some of them are changed, some of them aren't, but Just know that some of them have been changed. Gotcha. Um, If you want to read the book, we will link it in the show notes because there is way more in-depth just coverage and stuff about the lives of the victim and his family and the members of the cult along with the leaders. And so if you want to dig into that, we'll link it in the show notes. So... We are going to be talking about the Word of Life Christian Church. Now, in order to tell the story, we have to go back and we have to talk about the pastor, Jerry Irwin, and his founding of this cult. So at the time of today's case taking place, the pastor of the cult was actually a woman named Tiffany Irwin. She was the daughter of Jerry Irwin. But let's go back and, you know, let me tell you who Jerry Irwin was from his heydays. So Jerry Irwin was born in Erie, Pennsylvania on April 22nd, 1957. He grew up in a non-religious household. His parents weren't religious, but they would send the kids to the local like Baptist church for Sunday school. I think it was just their way of getting the kids out of the house for a couple hours. And so they could have just a few hours to themselves.
1: Gotta get sexy time. Probably, you know, (laughs) probably. (laughs) Or to do chores.
0: I mean, kids are messy. Who knows? Or just basically to, like, have a quiet house for two hours. (laughs) Right, sit down for two friggin' seconds, honestly. Yeah. So at 11 years old, Jerry says that he was at church one day, and there was a traveling evangelist preaching, and they did the typical altar call, and he went up, and he got saved, and he said his life was, he felt different from that moment on. Now, he didn't really, like, start following God until years and years later, but he... Talks about that being a turning point in his life. Now, Jerry's parents were physically and verbally abusive, especially his father. He would call Jerry stupid and threaten him constantly. And due to the nature of his home life, Jerry rebelled as a kid, like many kids in that situation do. And because of this, he got in trouble with the police pretty often. Uh, at 16, he ended up running away from home and eventually landed himself in Florida. And in 1974, In Florida, he met and married a woman named Robin. Now, after joining the Air Force, they settled in Illinois. So he gets married to her, joins the Air Force, they settle in Illinois. Their marriage was tumultuous um, at best. He never felt like he could meet her high standards. And I'm pretty sure after learning more about him, I'm pretty sure he wasn't a peach to live with either either. Oh, really right? (laughs) In my opinion, it was probably just like a toxic relationship on both sides. I'm sorry, how old was
1: he when he got married? Not that this really matters in the long run, but... So, right, he was born in 57, 17. That's what I thought. I was like, is he 18 when he got married? I feel like life moved a lot quicker too in that time period. Like, it really did. I mean, my great-grandparents, they got married when they were 16 and 19, so...
0: yeah. Gosh, it's so young. I know. It's so freaking young. Yeah. Well, yeah, so 17. So that's a whole nother perspective. So for sure. They, they, it was probably not a good situation for both of them. (sighs) They also ended up having two kids. But after trying to go to like couples therapy and work things out, it, wasn't working and finally Jerry consented to have getting a divorce and so Robert Robert, Robin left with the kids now during this time Jerry got really depressed and he spiraled out of control and in May of 1979 he decided to end it all he was going to take his life no yeah on his way to do this he ended up having some type of revelation he said from God and he decided against it I think this was kind of like a turning point for him um, Mm -hmm. religiously. Well, that's good, but I'm scared. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. Not like I'm glad you didn't take your life. But like, you, you,
1: mm. it's always when they have that spiritual awakening, it seems that like, and I, what exactly do you qualify as your own spiritual awakening? I know it's, it's dictated by that person, but like all of these like toxic ones that start to push like a bad agenda afterward. Mm-hmm. It's like, what actually happened though? Yeah. Were you just perceiving
0: it to be a certain way or was it real? I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to not... We can't deny their truth, you know? Exactly. But my judgmental side is like, I don't believe it, <laughs> you know? I <laughs> like, know. It's, I, yes. I, it's, it's. It's crazy. Well... Five years later, after this time, in 1984, he met a woman named Tracy. Now, Tracy was described by her family as kind, gentle, helpful, obedient, book smart. Unfortunately, though, they said she lacked uh, common sense and was very gullible. I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. (laughs) That's, and that was like really sad. Like, like her own family was yeah. just like, yeah, she lacks common sense and she's pretty gullible. Well, Tracy was also a very devout Christian and she had grown up in a Christian home her entire life. So just like any good Christian meet cute, uh, they were married two months after they met.
1: <laughs> Why? Why is this a thing in Christian circles alone too?
0: Because they want to have sex.
1: That is so the truth. And you know it what? Really is. If my biological mom and her fuck face of a husband are listening, the reason you got married so quick,
0: not knowing each other, was because mm-hmm. you just wanted to fuck. So, like, exactly. <laughs> sit down. I, from the day I met my husband till the day we got married was four and a half months. And my sister was like, you only want to get married because you want to have sex. And I looked her straight in the face and I said, Yeah.
1: See, this is yeah. another reason why, like, preaching abstinence just causes issues because it pushes you into a commitment, a lifelong commitment, uh-huh. and you may not be ready for it. Exactly.
0: And I like sex is not that big of a deal, guys. I'm in a wonderful marriage. I love my husband. We are doing great. You lucked out for sure. I, but I, I am very much the exception to the rule. Like, this does not happen in most cases. So do not follow my example. <laughs> it was four months for you guys? Four four and a half months. We met June sixth and we were married October 29th. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Yep. It's fast. Whirlwind romance. It's but fine. it worked out for me. But it really don't follow did my lead. <laughs> don't follow my lead. So they wanted a fuck. Go on. They yep, yeah, exactly. So Tracy and Jerry get married. Now, on their wedding day, literally on their wedding day, Jerry was like, I'm starting my own church. (laughs) Boom. Not even kidding. Like, that's what you're thinking on your wedding day? Okay.
1: I was just thinking,
0: where's your mind that day? Mm -hmm. Well, after they got married, Jerry's controlling side comes out. He said that Tracy's middle sister was a bad influence because she watched TV and being the good, submissive wife that Tracy was, she submitted to Jerry's opinion of his sister of her sister, and they didn't attend her high school graduation. <gasps> Aw. That yeah. sucks. Oh my God. Literally Over TV. T V. She's a bad influence because she watches TV. Yeah. Suck
1: my dick.
0: Whatever. Right? And then after their first child was born, Tracy cut all ties off with her entire family. Oh, that's so dangerous, Tracy. No. Mm -hmm. So bad. Now, together, the Irwins had four kids. I also need to say, I covered this case over on my YouTube channel. And for those that have watched those two, um, because that was also a part one, part two, I am changing a few things within this case because I got a couple things wrong and Crystal corrected me because I reached out to her and was like, should I change anything? And she helped me on a couple of different cases. So if you see a couple of things that are different or hear a couple of things that are different, it's because I feel up it in that one. And I'm crazy. We love it accountability. In <laughs> we love it. That's good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The more you know. Exactly. So they had four kids. Their oldest daughter was um actually their oldest child was a daughter. And her name was Tiffany. And then after that they had two boys named Daniel and Joseph. And then after that they had another daughter named Naomi was their four kids. Now, this next part happens way later in life when the kids are a lot older and grown. Um, but Tracy knew that Jerry had had kids with Robin, his previous wife. And she spent time trying to locate them. And eventually through a, I think it was like a reunion website, she actually reconnected with them. But when she went and told Jerry, he was pissed. So he didn't have anything to do with those kids? No. Oh my God. They, they were not, when the wife left with the two kids, they didn't stay connected. He didn't reach out. He didn't try to find them, Ugh, from my knowledge. Gross. And so he was pissed. But Tracy still tried to connect with those kids. And at first, her kids ended up sending letters back and forth with their half-siblings. Now, it took a lot of, you know, a few months and a lot of coaxing from Tracy. But Jerry finally reached out to them. But in the end, the two kids' names were Mark and Serena they chose to not reestablish a relationship with Jerry. Fair, fair. (laughs) I wonder why. Oh, God. What'd you do? What'd you do, boy? He's, well, if he's so, if he, okay, he controlled his wife enough to be able to get her to not go to her little sister's high school graduation and then had her, like, was manipulated her enough to cut off her entire family. Yeah. So, so, he's Probably, I'm pretty sure they were like, uh, there's some red flags and you're an asshole. So we're like, just not gonna <laughs> connect with you. Yeah. So from what I understand, this church started more as like a home church where they just kind of started gathering people and friends and they would meet in different people's homes and kind of thing like that. But as the years went on, they would move from like home to home and then they would move from building to building as they grew And it was definitely what we would consider a small church. Now, even though Jerry was the founder of this group, he was not the pastor. He did not hold the title of pastor. It was actually a man named Rick, who was the pastor. So, and this was in the beginning of this whole thing. Now, eventually the group did gain about 60 to 70 members. And they, this was kind of their peak in membership, And eventually they settled in an old school building in Chadwick County, New York. They named, after moving into this building, they named their church Word of Life Christian Church, and we will reference it as WLCC for short. Now, this was a three-story building that was like an old school, right? And it had a gymnasium inside. Now, with the church being small, they only had 60 to 70 members, they put the building to good use. They took the third floor and it was eventually turned into the parsonage. So like the living quarters for the Irwins. Oh my God. I
1: forget that they used to do that. Uh, Some churches still do it too. Some churches still
0: have a parsonage, right? Yeah. Well, they did the whole entire third floor. Wow. And remember, I want you to keep in your mind the whole time. They have like 60 to 70 members. Okay. So just keep that in your head. So they turned this into their parsonage. Their living space on the third floor had a room with a basketball court, Mm -hmm. another room with a trampoline, and they got themselves a huge jacuzzi tub when they did the remodel.
1: What? Where are you getting all this money from? (laughs) (laughs) The 60 to 70
0: members. Feed the poor, you idiots. Yeah. Not one of them had a job in the Irwin family. No, none of them had a job. They literally were funding all of this from the members of this congregation. Oh, it gets worse. Just wait. The church also established themselves as a school for the members so their kids could have a school to go to. And this helped them utilize even more rooms within the building. Now, unfortunately, the teachers of this school were just the parents of the kids and none of them were certified in any way. Also, they only had so many kids and they're all different ages. And so many of these moms were teaching multiple grades at one time. Oh, my God. Now, I will do a caveat. If you can homeschool, great. Wonderful. Go for it. More power to you. I've tried it. I suck at it. I can't do it. It's overwhelming. (laughs) You have to wear every fucking hat when you are a homeschool parent. You're the teacher, the principal, superintendent, guidance counselor, assistant teacher, the PE coach. You're fucking everything. And the mom. And or the parent, the mom, whatever, and the mom, yes, and the parent. It's so stressful now. Unfortunately, because of how you have to wear all of these hats, a lot of times—not all, but a lot of times—when people <laughs> homeschool, <laughs> the, the lean children, into the seriously, mic. Seriously, <laughs> I just need people to know. We, i know it's not all okay, but this can lead to just a mess of somebody's education, and they can—they can get a—they cannot get an adequate education. And they have gaps in their education. Now, the school within the WLCC was no exception. It was a fucking hot mess from the beginning. Any schools
1: that are from religious standings are just, they they turn out to be
0: shit most of the time. mm -hmm. I mean, they don't know this at the time Like the students of this school don't know this. But it was not accredited in any way, shape, or form. And it was Obviously, not like registered with the ask. state of New York. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all these kids, quote, graduate, but they don't actually have a diploma. And so even after going through this school program, they still have to go and get their GED in order to take any kind of college level courses. Somebody lobotomized me
1: with a hot tire iron. I <laughs> tire iron. do not understand. <laughs> How is that I, legal?
0: Okay. It's, It's, you know what? I don't.
1: Is that legal? I know they have to go to school, but don't they have to like receive education from whatever
0: county they're in? Every state is different when it comes to homeschool laws. There are some states that are very hands off. um, And then there are some states that are very hands on. So, for example, I live in Tennessee. So in order to homeschool here in Tennessee, you have to be registered with the state um, that like your child is being homeschooled. And you have to have a some kind of school that's overseeing you and the education that you're doing. Yes, I know and, what you're talking about. Yeah, like an
1: academy that's like associated with Yeah,
0: it. something, something like that. And even to get your license here in the state of Tennessee, you have to have a paper from your school saying that you're in attendance and that you're registered in school and you're attending. And yeah. if you don't have that, you can't get your license at all. Hmm. So, like, if you are not properly, if you're choosing to homeschool and you're not following the state's laws, your kid can't get their license till they're 18. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I had never heard of state doing that, which I was like... I don't think they do that in Alabama. No, I don't remember no, I don't, that being a thing. I've lived in a lot of states, and this is the only state that I've ever heard of it doing it. I think... I think Tennessee and Virginia do it, but I'm literally uh, right beside both. So, hmm. I don't know. But Interesting. I, I, okay, shoot me, but I like that. I like that they do that because kids need to get an adequate education. No,
1: oh, yeah. I, they I really think do, so too.
0: Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. So, in the early years of this group, Jerry was seen as kind and loving, but over the years, that changed. He started to become rude and domineering. He would say things like, I know what happens at your home, and I don't even have to be there. So, if you've listened to our intro... And you hear the guy say, I know what happens at, at your, your church and God tells me or whatever it says.
1: <gasps> is that's that Jerry Irwin. Yeah. Shut I know. That, up. that is
0: literally a clip from one of his sermons. Is that's Jerry Irwin.
1: Can't believe yes. we didn't spotlight him sooner.
0: <laughs> I wanted to give adequate uh, time for this case. So and I knew I was not ready for a two-part, but yeah. Now we are. Um so yeah, he would make them like feel like he knew exactly what was going on in their homes and God was showing them showing him all of this. Now, he would act this way as if he had this like direct line to God. Now, he even also started calling his congregation stupid. And basically his style of preaching and leading his members had become a mix of fear-mongering and just demeaning them. So he's bullying people. He's (sighs) a big, fat, ginormous They're paying him to bully them. (laughs) They, they They are more than paying him. They are... Devoted to him, paying him, and oh, I'll get. I don't want to skip. I don't want to jump ahead. I'll get to it. Hold on. One day, Jerry ends up prophesying that something was going to happen to a woman in their congregation named Joanne Ames. Not I say Joanne, but it may be Joan. It's J O A N. I'm not sure. If for those that are listening and don't understand, don't know what prophesied means, it is when a church leader or somebody will be like, God told me this was going to happen. Or God came to me in a dream. Mm-hmm. Anytime somebody's like, God came to me in the the end of the world is happening on April 22nd, 2026. That's That's them, quote, prophesying. They literally believe that God came to them or they're lying on purpose because they think it's cool. Now, He says that this woman in the congregation, Joanne, Joanne, I'm going to call her Joanne, but I could be wrong. It could be Joan. Anyway. No, it's
1: Joan. I know it's Joan. Joan. It's got to be Joan. We're going to say Joan. Joanne is J-O-A-N-N or A-N-N-E normally. Or it will have an H in there. So I would go
0: Joan. She was a little bit older. So, yeah, we'll go with Joan. Okay, so Joan, something's going to happen to her. Now, before too long, she was actually diagnosed with cancer. Hmm. Joan had multiple bleeding brain tumors, so she ended up having to go in for surgery. While on the operating table, Joan suffered a stroke and slipped into a coma.
1: Oh, God. Now,
0: the doctors said that based off of her condition, they didn't expect her to survive. Yeah. Jerry and the church members would not accept that. So they went to the church one day while she was in a coma and they prayed for her healing. While they were praying, Jerry said he felt something had changed and allegedly at that very moment, Joan came out of the coma. After that, the church members believed that Jerry really was the right hand of God and somehow had a direct line to him. He was able to save this woman through prayer.
1: Okay, so yeah, here's the thing. (laughs) None of us know everything. Isn't that the beauty of life? True, But at the same time, so like as a person that practices magic, you Mm -hmm. can definitely feel when any type of like energy shift happens in the room, you can feel it if you're not Mm -hmm. practicing any kind of magic too. Like whenever someone comes to the room and you're like, oh, bad vibes. Like, you just naturally feel it, yeah, you know? Yeah. And you can feel when a person mm-hmm. leaves, like when they die. Just as mm-hmm. when someone is born and draws their first breath, you feel a difference in the room. So yeah, that would make sense to feel something. But mm-hmm. I highly doubt it was at his hand that that yeah. was happening.
0: <laughs> but it's, you know, doctors are not God. It's called the or, practice of medicine. Or <laughs> these, Exactly. It, it's called practice for a reason. They don't know everything. And they'd be the first fucking people to tell you this. They can use the tests that they have in front of them, the condition of the person that they can that see in front of them, and they make the best educated guess. Mm-hmm. Now, is this right all of the time? No. People are given two years to live and live 10. Some people are given... Six months to live and and live two weeks. So it's it's just the best guess that yeah. they can. And so, but with the doctor saying they had no hope that she was going to survive, like she has a zero percent chance. And then all of a sudden, the church prays, she comes out of a coma. They're like, "Holy shit, Jerry Irwin is God." Basically, is what they're thinking.
1: Why didn't they? Why didn't they also credit themselves though and their own manifestation through prayer?
0: Because they're because Jerry is the one that's so demeaning to them and calling them stupid. They have to give him all the credit. They have to stroke that fucking ego of Jerry his. Jerry Bear, sit with us a while, would you? Mm. <laughs> we'll I'll knock you wait. down a bit. Oh, okay. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, okay. Jerry also designed the church's constitution and bylaws. It included, but wasn't limited no. to <laughs> members being required to attend church both Sunday and Wednesday, submit to Jerry's leadership, and mandatory tithe of 10% of a person's gross, not net, gross income. <laughs> the benefits that the members received in return were that they got to have Jerry as their pastor. I'm not kidding. He put that in there. Was there anything else? Like a boat or like... No. Food? <laughs> no. That's a shitty deal. You said food, and so I'm just going to say it now. It's it's later in the story, but I'll, I'm going to say it now. There were people that were not able to afford at times paying their 10% tithe. And so they would give the Irwins their fucking food stamps.
1: I have to leave the state right now. I have to get Mm -hmm. up and
0: leave. Yeah. What is this? What is this, Jerry? Jerry Bear, come on. This same family, the same family that did that, also was audited by the fucking IRS one year because they had put on their taxes how much they had given to Mm -hmm. the church. And tithes and the IRS fucking flagged it because they thought they were laundering some money or oh doing my something. God. Something was hinky because they had given so much of their income income to this church. Shit. And so they were fucking audited by the IRS. Oh man. That's mm-hmm.
1: horrifying. And I know that right? I know Jerry probably didn't step in, did he? To be
0: like, hey, no. Let me help you like No, no deal with this he had a room he had a room in his third floor house with a fucking basketball court he had another room with a trampoline in it he also bought himself and his family a big ass fucking jacuzzi tub to put in his third floor house
1: i've got to say the
0: (laughs) the trampoline room is just like a weird flex (laughs) it really is but also like i have to say i kind of want one I'm just wondering, was
1: it just like a normal trampoline just like stuck in a room or was it like a trampoline park looking thing?
0: No. I I do I have never seen it and I've never asked that question, but based off of the condition of the church, which we'll get into in, in part okay. two, it was definitely a trampoline. I'm just in a room. I would put fucking money on it that it was just a trampoline that I bought from Walmart and put in a fucking room. Don't do that. The IRS. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't come after me. So along with Jerry becoming more demeaning, he also started to control everything. Who could be friends, what jobs you should have, what direction your life should go, who you could be around outside the church, when you could speak. Not even joking. He had a rule of no, quote, idle chatter. So, it was seen as a sin if you just wanted to chat with another member, even at church. That sounds boring as
1: fuck. (laughs) Right? Very. It's feeling Jonestown
0: to me. Mm -hmm. It's feeling weird. Yeah. I'm nervous. Now, since Jerry controlled everything, he had a lot of, um, even though at this time he still is not holding the pastoral title. He controlled a lot of stuff and his opinion was seen as the end all be all and what he said goes kind of thing, right? So there was a member named Al and at 25 years old, he impregnates, we're going to call her Susie. This part is not in the book. I just know this from Crystal, but I'm changing names because... Thank you, Crystal.
1: Also. Yeah,
0: no, right? We love her. I love Crystal. Okay, so um, Al's 25 and he impregnates Susie at the age of 15.
1: I now have to leave the country. Mm-hmm. This is enough.
0: Okay. Mm. Oh, just wait, honey. This we are barely Shut the scratching fucking the Fucking window pane. This, this is a bad one. So Susie's parents are like, you need to marry Al. Like you just you need to marry him. So they get married. It is a horrible relationship. Both of them, from what I'm told, were just a very toxic for each other and very abusive to each other. Well, it's a child and an adult. I would say no uh, less. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they end up having three kids together. And then Susie ends up leaving one day. She's like, I can't take this. She leaves and she leaves Al with the kids. Mm, Okay. So Al has the three kids. She leaves. Now, Jerry tells 19-year-old Helen another girl in the church, tells her that it is her job to help facilitate the divorce. I think at this time, Susie had been gone for a few years. So it's her job to call and find a divorce attorney and help Al get divorced. And then he Jerry tells Helen that God has picked Al for her. And so Helen needs to marry Al. Saw it coming. Saw it coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. So one week after Helen turns 20, her and Al are now married and Al is 35. So they're a 15 year difference. Okay, So this is even a bigger age difference between Al and Susie. So let's just. Great. Let that Love to hear that. Fucking sink in for a bit. She's 20. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm 33. I'm not even 35. I don't have one goddamn thing in common with some 20-year-old boy. Well, he was 19. He would have been 19 before, we, you know, right before we got married. I don't have anything in common with those people. See, that's also the thing. Like, it's just a sexual
1: attraction Mm -hmm. on their part. Like, there is no substance at all.
0: Yeah, and and here it's like, is there even a sexual attraction? Because like, is Helen, there that's a good Helen's question. Helen's just being told she has to marry Al. God's telling Jerry.
1: Yeah, oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that there was. No, most likely, probably not an attraction on her end. I feel so bad for them because yeah. they just believed this was their only option. They weren't given mm-hmm. any other direction. So yeah. you just accept what you think is normal.
0: Now, Helen does come back up in the story, but not until the end of part two. But remember Helen, okay? I'll remember Helen and Susie. So eventually, after one, quote, holy communication from God, Jerry claims that God told him it was his time to be the pastor of WLCC. So Pastor Rick is kicked out and demoted, while Jerry has now officially gained the title of pastor of WLCC. Great. Now, Minnie didn't like this change, um, so they just left. <laughs> They're like, oh, fuck no. So they left. Okay. And Jerry just called them heretics and said that they are going to be destined for eternal damnation because they left. Now, after Jerry becomes the official pastor, things take a dark turn, as if it wasn't already dark at this point. He knew the members preferred Pastor Rick, and this made him angry because it was not striking his <laughs> ego. You know, yeah. This meant that his sermons turned even more vile, and he would be screaming at his congregation, calling them names, degrading them right and left, literally from the pulpit, screaming at the members and just telling them how. Why exhausting are they sitting they there? <laughs> because they don't want to go to hell.
1: And it's one of those, like,
0: we have the truth. Like, you can't find God. You can't find eternal salvation outside the four walls of this church. And so people feel stuck.
1: You know, and if they had witnessed the, like, the raising of the dead of this woman or whatever.
0: You're so tied to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just like an abusive husband. Like, Mm -hmm. ask her why she stayed so long. Well, Mm -hmm. also, there's the fear of leaving. If he's that, like, dogmatic in his preaching and when you're on his good side, shit, don't
0: get on his bad side then. And none of this is as bad as being burned alive for eternal and eternal conscious torment. Like that like nothing compares to that. So like I can suffer through this world so I can get to the next. Mm, yeah. And so that I I'm assuming that would be my guess of why a lot of them stayed for so long. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Jerry would also complain about how exhausting it was to be the pastor of the church because the members were so sinful and rebellious and they just refused to do better. No, you're tired because you're screaming all the time. I know, dude. Take a Zoloft. Fuck. It's too much. Yeah. Too he, much. He was, his blood pressure, man, must have been fucking spiking. Oh. Swear to God. Hypertension boy. Now, we're not going to be shocked. Jerry was also very paranoid. Not shocked there at all. He would lock the doors to the church and not let anyone in or out while church was in service. He even put up fences and hedges for more privacy. He was like, man, I just want to keep people out. What's going on that you need the privacy for? Right? He's paranoid. He also was so paranoid, he believed in every governmental conspiracy theory that's out there. Oh, like eagle eye. Uh Uh-huh. He believed in All of it. He was very much like doomsday, prepper, government's out to get us. And he would have been at January 6th. Like, I'm just saying. He would have been there if he could. Um, Yeah. He couldn't, though, because he's no longer with us. But that's... I was going to say, is he dead? He's very much dead. And it's... I'm not going to say it's funny how he died, but it's...
1: Damn, I didn't get a chance to sit down with him and really
0: make him feel small. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) It's all right. So, from the pulpit, Jerry would accuse members of sexual sin. I don't know what it is with fucking Christians and their sexual sin, but Jerry was, you know, just like all the rest. They're horny as hell. And he very much focused on sexual sin. And he actually took it to a more extreme than other congregations and denominations within Christianity I have seen. He would accuse some of the members of wanting to sleep with his wife and rape his daughter. (laughs) What? Yes. Yes, Tracy, his wife, Tracy would even say that she was convinced that the men in the congregation wanted her body.
1: He's made them paranoid. They would not be thinking like that had he not put in their heads that like, maybe he's saying like every man is like a sexual animal or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh my
0: God. Yeah, yeah. He even made a rule that the kids couldn't hold hands with each other even toddlers, because it was seen as a form of molestation.
1: That's not... Okay, that's molestation, but impregnating a 15-year-old
0: is just fine. I know. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I don't know that whole story, but like, I got questions. Um, As the kids got older, they were told sex outside of marriage was a sin. Masturbation was sinful because it was allowing the devil to take control of you. So... Yeah,
1: he takes your penis and he does things with it. Makes and it he feel he real nice. Your yes, <laughs> yes. Satan actually emerges his face from the <laughs> vagina in the moment that you are you, finishing masturbating.
0: Have you seen the like picture of the uterus where somebody's like, "Oh my god, it looks like the devil," you know? Yes, with and, the horns. Yeah, and yeah. I, at first I thought it was satire, but I'm pretty sure it was not satire. Like,
1: hundred percent agree with that. Whoever posted that, I know, right? That, yeah, yeah, I agree that my uterus is Satan.
0: Pretty powerful. Come. Try me. Pretty fucking Do powerful. not tread on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, sinful masturbation was allowing the devil to take control of you. And even if you dreamed, dream the death of doing something, it was just like you did it in real life.
1: We were taught that actually. No. In my circles. Yeah. I mean, we were taught all these same things about like the masturbation thing too. But if you had like any kind of dirty thoughts or dreams that like you literally don't have control over, you had pretty much like
0: done it because the real
1: whole, life. yeah, you know, the whole like as you have done it in your heart, so you've you've done it, you know, in the flesh. Yeah, it's the same thing. They just justified it that way, so. No,
0: that's not real. If you have a wet dream, it's okay. It's not a big deal. It's all right. You You're you can have a wet dream. It's all right. Because <laughs> it's a great thing. <laughs> that is no, no, no. Uh, the kids even were constantly being accused of different sexual misconduct. So they were literally being berated for like having bad thoughts or you were touching so-and-so's hand or or whatever. Like, they were constantly being accused of this.
1: This guy has some sexual
0: trauma he hasn't, like, dealt with. (laughs) Oh, seriously, he had to. They were also um, accused of molestation, impure thoughts, and so much more. So, like, any kind of sexual sin, they were just bombarded with. It is, like I've said this before, sexual shit when it comes to religious people being like, oh my God, like, don't make your brother stumble or don't think about sex. The next thing you're thinking about is sex. And so it's one of those like self-fulfilling prophecies where it's like, you're going to focus on it so much to like not do it that you're going to inadvertently do it like crazy. And this is exactly what happened with them. It was trying to get them to be as pure as possible, but then filling them them with shame and guilt over, you know, like molestation, quote, when that really didn't happen. Like if there was a child, like they couldn't even be around babies without a diaper on. And one girl- What in the world? Yeah, one girl <gasps> fell asleep. Like, I think it was like her sister or niece or something and fell asleep and the baby didn't have a diaper on. And when she came, woke up, she felt tremendous guilt because she felt like that was molestation.
1: Oh my God. I know. Somebody- Slam this guy's head into the curb, curb stomp a bitch, like <laughs> stomp a bitch. I mean in love, you know in, in, love. <laughs> in Christian love, if you could do that to brother Jerry May the power of Christ can you <laughs> seriously, what the what in the holy fucks
0: is this? Well, nice little segue, speaking of you know, uh hitting him in love, Jerry told the parents that if they didn't spank their kids, then that meant that they hated them. What? He even told them to call the, their kids names like worthless and rebellious sinners. The church even used a Bible verse to justify beating their kids. Now, of course, you know, they're all going to be like, it was spanking, it's not beating. No, they were beating the shit out of their kids. The Bible verse that they fucking used was Proverbs twenty thirty, which says, quote, blows and wounds scrub away evil and beatings purge the inmost being.
1: That's actually one of the what the fuck verses that I'm I'm doing next. Like, that's my next one I'm doing. Talk about a coinky dude. Yeah, Yeah. it's disgusting. It's horrible. People still use that verse and, like, surrounding verses to justify violent acts, especially against, like, children.
0: I have never heard of this Bible verse before until I covered this case. And I was like, well, that Proverbs
1: is a fucking trip.
0: Like that it whole is. book is just like a huge trip. Is it pro? No, I was thinking, I was like, isn't Proverbs like basically porn? But no, that's Psalms. Just kidding. No,
1: that's Song so- of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Why was it in Psalms? Psalms, no, Song of Solomon is straight up like smut. Yeah. And then uh, I will <laughs> say, my favorite book of the Bible though is Philemon. What
0: fucking book of the Bible is Philemon? It's
1: literally like two pages. Go read it. It's good.
0: Okay, that's not a book of the Bible. Yes, it is. What is it called? Philemon.
1: It's spelled um, P-H-I-L-E-M-O-N, I I believe.
0: Why in the fucking Christ cracker have I not heard? And Philemon Hebrews James. (laughs) Oh, I didn't remember that. Oh, yep. Nope. You're right. It is.
1: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts and the Literature of the Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians, Philippians. <laughs> oh. I never had the whole thing memorized, but I had like sections of the yeah. little
0: song memorized. Well, Philemon, Philemon is
1: a sweet book, in my opinion. Is it's it? It's sweet.
0: I want you to read it. Now, I've never read it again. I've never read it. Uh, I didn't even know it was a book of the Bible. So, look at me. That That's oh, hilarious. But yeah,
1: Psalms is like all of the like poetry yeah. that like a lot of it is David being like, I suck.
0: Oh, uh, okay. And then Song <laughs> of Solomon is the smut. Yeah. Speaking of smut, I know we're taking a, a detour here, but God, I love smut. Was it was it you who turned me on to or that told me about uh, the Righteous Gemstones TV show? No. What is that? Somebody, somebody <laughs> told me about this show, and I we just started it like two nights ago. I am fucking dying laughing. It's on HBO Max and it's literally a like satire show of like making fun of mega churches, and it's the Gemstone family who is like made this oh, huge mega church. I know what this is. Yeah. Dude, we are yeah. like three episodes into it, and I've laughed my ass off. Um, it's Danny McBride. I, yeah. Yes. And I'm cringing because at the same time, I'm like, I know they're making fun of it, but like, it's legit how it happens. Like this shit literally happens. And there's one point where the dad, like one of the dads walks into his son's room and he's like all proud of him for reading the Bible. But then he picks up the Bible and opens it. And all the son has done is like highlighted all the dirty words in the Bible, like um, breast and sex and and all of this stuff and boobs. And all. I was laughing so hard. The loins. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So yeah. They beat the shit out of the kids. Now... Over a verse in Proverbs. Great. At the school, in the church, if the kids were disobedient, they would get pulled up by the arm and whacked with a wooden paddle on the arms, back, butt, and legs. So, like, just yanking a child up by their arms and just whacking them like a fucking piñata. That's what they did to kids in
1: my middle school growing up. What? Yeah. This was a public school? Yep. It was just recently done away with. Like when I was in high school, the state did away with it.
0: Jesus Christ! Like we but had yeah. a paddle growing up, but like didn't yank them up by the arm, and they had a wooden paddle, and they would
1: well, they either yank you by the arms, or they like put you like a- against the wall, yes. or bend you over the desk or something. Yeah, it's just
0: so creepy. The whole like it's so gr-
1: that's it's thing. gross. That's another thing. That's another thing. That's just real gross it about. Is. Some public schools. I'm not naming names, too, because I am not about to get sued.
0: Right. (laughs) But we all disagree, or we disagree with it. Jerry would also sit in on the lessons uh, at the school, and if the kids weren't paying attention or he felt that they were being rebellious, he would make them stand up for long periods of time or write for hours, even sometimes, get this, till one o'clock in the morning. Why? Yeah. Why, boy? Yeah. He you know, would not let them have food at all. And he would yell uh, at the kids and he would yell at their parents for hours as well. This is the worst person. Mm-hmm. He's like,
1: it's not even the type of like manipulation that's like sugarcoated. No. It's literally just like fear mongering.
0: A There's thousand percent. Yeah. So nothing he, else about it. He yelled at the kids for, for what he would deem as like, being disobedient or rebellious but then he would also be yelling at the parents because the parents aren't raising him or her right and it was their fault. Yeah. I mean, mm. Jared, Jared, Jerry, Um, <laughs> I thought <laughs> of <mentioned> like, Jared, <laughs> I was thinking Jared from Subway but like, dude, he's a, I
1: still don't know shit about that.
0: Dude, he's a fucking creep. It is. That's what I've heard. He's, Oh, that's all, that's the case for another date and not, as, it says nothing to do with religion but, Anyways, Jerry even forced the members to work for long hours cleaning and maintaining the church and the Irwin's home.
1: I knew it was going to be, yeah. Little
0: bitch. So they had to work for hours after every service, and they had to pay for all the cleaning and repair materials themselves. So, like, let's say um, a wall had a hole in it, they had to go buy all of the sheetrock and mud and speckle or whatever, and paint. They had to buy all of that themselves, and then go and do the repairs. They had, oh they had like, I think how it happened, how it would would go down is like they had certain tasks that had to be done, and uh-huh. they would give them the tasks, and then you were there for however long until you finished it. It took to finish it. Yeah. And so they would be there for hours. And did you reap any benefits? So like, could you stay there? Like? No, your benefit was that Jerry was your pastor. That is the stupidest benefit. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. The, the kumquat of a man was your pastor and you were supposed <laughs> a kumquat to. Of a man. <laughs> you're just going to so amazed. Like, oh, God, you are my pastor. I am. So happy.
1: He sounds like the soggiest lampshade mm-hmm. fuck face dildo yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. But not even a good dildo. The dildo without <laughs> the batteries that's chewed up by your dog. Ah! If my dog chewed up one of my toys,
0: I would. It's be happened mortified. before to me. Oh, it has. <sighs> yep.
1: She was a puppy. Oh, uh, it's my happens. fault. I
0: left it out. It, it, it was my happens. fault. It happens. Yeah. Now, if a member of the church did something that Jerry didn't like, they would get a, quote, church arrest or church discipline. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they called it.
1: Who enforced this? Was it just him? Yeah. Did he have, like, a
0: hierarchy? No. What? Now, this meant that they couldn't talk to other members and were shunned for days, weeks, months, and sometimes even years. Everyone was terrified of getting church discipline, so they refused to question Jerry. Since they believed that Jerry had a direct connection to God, they believed that pleasing Jerry was, in turn, pleasing God. So they just fell in line with it. Was he a white man? Oh, a thousand percent he was a white man. He was the whitest of them all. Why do they
1: always think the white men are going to save them?
0: Right. <laughs> I fucking seriously. No white man's going to save you.
1: You know what I really liked in the the book The Shack was that they represented God as a black woman. I
0: fucking loved that. Jesus
1: as a like uh wasn't oh Jesus a, a s- his- Hispanic man? I think so, yeah. Who oh, Jesus and is then, his- then the Holy Spirit as an Asian woman. Yeah. It's like, hmm, no white man's gonna save you. Right. Shut up.
0: Mm-mm. <laughs> Now, all of these rules didn't apply to the Irwin kids. They were constantly getting away with whatever they wanted and not being called out for sinning or being rebellious like the other kids were. Now, Tiffany, the oldest, grew up the typical pastor's kid who thought that she was above everyone else. I mean, talk about the apple not falling far from the tree. Her ego matched her daddy's and then some. So all the Irwin kids had free reign at the church, but Tiffany was, of course, her father's favorite. She was put in an authoritarian uh, position at the school um, by overseeing kids her own age. There were other like people that held the same title and like other teachers and moms. And so it wasn't just her over it. There were other people as well, but she was given... But still know.
1: putting a kid in power like that is just uh-huh. not probably yeah. good developmentally.
0: yeah. She was strict and cruel towards the kids, leaving them with their hand raised for long periods of time on purpose (sighs) just to be a bitch.
1: I wonder where she inherited that from. Right.
0: Now, as she got older, she seemed to relish seeing other people in trouble and would constantly reprimand anyone and everyone, even adults, including her own mother. If her mom didn't agree on the correction, they would go to Jerry and he would always side with Tiffany. Over his wife? Over his wife. I'm sorry. Was something happening? No. No. Mm -mm.
1: Like sexually? No. No. Nothing was happening. Okay. Okay. Whenever we say like a favorite, like a especially a daughter, Mm -hmm. it always mm, red flag a little bit. So
0: I think for her it was like she was the firstborn. She was the oldest and yeah. She had all the birthrights. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're gonna jump. There's a lot of people involved in today's case or in this case. So we're going to just kind of give you a background. I'm going to give you a background of like everybody that is there. Um, So now that you know about the Irwins, we're going to move on to a woman named Linda. Fucking Linda. I don't like Linda. Linda, Linda, Linda. Now, (laughs) Linda was also another one of like the overseers of the school. She was what you would call the teacher's pet. And she had her head shoved so fucking far off the Irwin's butts, it was ridiculous. She would um, simulate like how Jerry spoke and treated the congregation just because like she wanted to be like them. And she was also very cruel to the kids during the school hours when she was in charge or overseeing whoever she was overseeing. And it didn't stop there. She was this way and just as brutal to her own children. One day, she felt like one of her children had sinned but hadn't complained about it. So she randomly, verbally attacked them in the car, berating them the whole time and calling them names. I mean, pure evil and berating of of their own daughter, and not only that, she recorded the whole fucking thing because she wanted to show it to leadership because she was so proud of how she got her child to confess to, quote, sinning. And I'm pretty sure it was um the sin she thought her daughter did was like a, a sexual dream or had sexual thoughts or desires.
1: That's gross. As a yeah. mom, if you thought that, that's the big gross.
0: <laughs> the <a> big yuck. <laughs> and, and to think that it's okay to sit there and berate your child and be so evil and demeaning to them and get get pride out of it that you're going to record it and that show is, it to leadership. Like, what? You're a fucked up woman. I mean,
1: I so badly have always wanted to have children. Mm-hmm. And I, whenever I hear of cases or I, even when I see in public someone like screaming at their kid, like, mm-hmm. I totally understand getting frustrated you know, and it's got to be overstimulating to constantly have kids. But like, yes, come on, they—they they didn't ask to be here. You know, like,
0: yeah, they—you just gotta be be nice, Linda. Be nice, please, <laughs> I feel like Linda really wanted to impress the Irwins so much that she took things to the next level because she thought if she would take it to the next level, her her berating, or evilness, her just shaming people, if she could take it to the next level, they would see her in a better light. Like she would get more points or she would be seen in a, you know, she got the attention she wanted.
1: Like maybe she could like, I don't know, get a special position or like a special like role. Being favored
0: by them. I, that's my assumption.
1: And maybe in that way, they would see less sin in her
0: and not berate her. Maybe. Your Who guess knows? is as good as mine, but that could easily be it. Now, we're going to jump to the main family of today is they are the Leonards. Okay, so the Leonards were a blended family. The mom and dad were Bruce and Deborah, more commonly called Debbie. Now, they had both been married prior. So when they got together, Bruce already had a daughter named Crystal. That's who I talked about earlier. And Debbie had a daughter, Sarah, and a son, Whitney. So when they came together, they had already a blended family of three kids. But Bruce and Debbie together had a few more children. They had Lucas, Christopher, Grace, and Ezekiel. So it's a pretty big family. So seven kids all together. I like their names. I know they were very cute. Crystal, uh, Sarah, Whitney. And then you have Lucas, Christopher, Grace, and Ezekiel. Ezekiel. I like the name Whitney, like as a male or a masculine yeah. name. That's cool. I think it's very cool. Um, In my YouTube one, I, I called him a girl because I thought Whitney was... Whoopsie. Uh, you know, I felt really bad. It's like, oh, sorry. My dad. They, they aren't talked about a lot. Um, they're mm-hmm. like uh, mentioned in passing because they're not a very big part. And so I, I missed the pronouns on that one. Sorry. Oh, okay. So the family were demout- devout members of WLCC and lived their lives to please the Irwins. So they were with Jerry from pretty much the beginning, um, if not the very beginning. They were at church every time there was a service. They worked at the church and in the Irwin's third floor home, hours on end, cleaning and doing repairs, and they tithed religiously. This is the family that gave their food stamps to the Irwins when they couldn't afford to tithe. And this is also the same family who was audited by the IRS because they had given so much. The IRS thought something hinky was going on. Oh, my God. Now, this is a family... With seven kids, okay? So. Ugh. They don't have a lot of money going around then, mm- probably. No, they don't. And um, I don't think I talked about this later on. I think i would taken it out, but I can still mention it. Bruce had a degree in some kind of... Um, agricultural nature. I know Crystal's laughing at me right now listening to this. Uh, (laughs) But she told me what it was and I didn't write it down. And he had kind of hopped around in different jobs, but he ended up landing, um, for the most part, doing helping, I think it was one of the members in the church had a landscaping business and he helped do landscaping with them. And so very much a blue-collar job when he had a degree and wasn't using it. Wow! And so... It is very much believed that Jerry liked them to be in, to keep a handful of the families poor and keep them dependent on the Irwins. And so they were still required to tithe. And, but he was okay them not making a whole bunch of money because if they were making more money, that could be a way that they could be independent. That is my assumption, but I'm going to just guess on that. The church was
1: like a weird. Weird marriage. He's the worst husband in all the ways. Yeah,
0: he really is. Now, Bruce and Debbie, um, they very much followed the rules and guidelines of the church and they homeschooled their kids, and the whole family didn't really have friends outside the church. They also didn't celebrate holidays because they claimed that they were, quote, pagan trappings. The family correct. Tried, <laughs> right. Very much so. That we love. <laughs> <laughs> the family tried to live by the recommended gender roles, but many times fell short. Bruce was a very soft-spoken and like gentle-hearted person. And he really struggled to discipline his kids like the church expected him to. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever really spanked his kids. Like he just, that was just not his, his way of doing things. Like he was just a very gentle person. And then Debbie struggled with being a good housekeeper and keeping up with the demand of being a homeschool mom. She desperately wanted to make friends, but every time she would try to talk with other people in and outside the church, she would get into trouble and have to get, quote, church discipline. It was like Jerry had it out for this family, the Leonards, especially Bruce and Debbie. He like looked down upon them for not living up to the gender roles that the church expected them to live up to. Bruce was seen as weak and was ridiculed for not taking his proper place as the head of the house and Jerry would berate him until Bruce one time broke down crying and begged Jerry to help him learn how to, quote, train his wife. Not kidding. What is happening? Debbie was reprimanded for so much, allowing her kids to go to the neighbor's house, not spending enough time with her kids, not going or not doing a good enough job at homeschooling, telling her husband she wasn't in the mood for sex, and so much more. Debbie was under church discipline more than she wasn't. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Porter, a former member of WLCC, she had been a member for 26 years, but she left in 2014 had said this to she had this to say about Debbie quote Debbie was the scapegoat at WLCC she was a very gre- gregarious and social person and did not toe the line when it come came to leaders demands she was always under some kind of discipline which meant that no one could talk or to or interact with her uh, being a woman is just a crime isn't it mm, If yeah especially in this church
1: And also, that's got to be a major blow to his ego, being like, you're not good
0: enough. You're not like being a good provider and you're not... (sighs) And it was like he broke down bawling
1: and begging
0: him, teach me how to train my wife. These people Mm. were broken. And when I say broken, like shattered into a million pieces. Yep. Yeah. Poor family. Jerry even went so far as to tell Debbie that the reason her father had died was because she had said a lie, and that lie caused her father to get sick, which then killed him. I have so many things that I want to say. Mm-hmm. Oh, he goes even farther. He even blamed his wife's sickness on the stress that the Leonard family caused his family because they were such rebellious sinners. Chair <sighs> Bear, and I do mean this from the bottom of my heart, go rot. <laughs> Go fuck a cactus.
1: Go stick your eyeballs through a razor blade tunnel.
0: Mm-hmm. Go
1: stick your scrotum in an airplane engine. <laughs> like, uh, with
0: with Christian love. With Christian love. I know it's hard because it's like, we don't promote violence. But like, it's hard to not want to like, beat the shit out of this man for all it's he like did.
1: And how whole, he hurt these people. Obviously, karma comes around and it takes care of everyone in its own ways. It really does. I mean, karma, it it manifests, it always works out, you know, so Mm -hmm. as long as you keep being a good person, good things will still come to you more than the bad, you know, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, it's like, it's just cathartic to say these things just to say like, it
0: really is. Like, yeah, whatever. It makes us feel some sort of Comfort, I guess. I don't really know how. the words just cathartic. To it it you know? really is, yeah. Because
1: we yeah. we're not revenge seekers. I uh-uh. swear to God, if you put any of these like people in front of me, I would just talk a lot of shit and then be like, "Don't come
0: near me. Don't touch <laughs> me. Don't hit me. <laughs> no, don't. don't come <laughs> over here." <laughs> right. Oh, but yeah. So as the boys got older, uh, they begged. So Christopher and Lucas, um, the ch- Debbie and. Bruce's two kids mm-hmm. that they the two older ones they had together as they got older they begged their parents to attend public school um they just desperately wanted to be normal kids they wanted to go get their license and have girlfriends and get jobs but their parents said no um their biggest thing was they didn't want the boys to be around people that cussed but what they didn't know was the boys cussed all the time when the parents <laughs> were around like every other teenager <laughs> like yeah Pretty exactly. funny. Uh, <laughs> Lucas uh, was an introvert and a repairman. Uh, one day he had gotten a broken blue mini bike, And after fixing the bike, he took it up the street and hit the Kickstarter while also giving it gas. He flew out into oh, the street no. heading for an oncoming vehicle and ended up T-boning the car's passenger door. And this crash ended up crushing his knee and breaking it. <sighs> Over the next few years, it really bothered him and caused him problems. Remember, remember that.
1: Okay. Locking that into the noggin. He fucking whiskey throttled it. And he did. his knee. God. Yeah.
0: Chris, now we're going to talk about Crystal. I talked about her a little bit um, earlier. So this is Bruce's daughter that he brought into the marriage between him and Debbie. Yes. So Crystal, Lucas's half-sister, grew up close to the Irwins. They kind of adopted her as part of their family, and she would even stay with them on the weekends regularly. As Tiffany Irwin was growing up, she grew really close to Crystal and worked hard at winning her affection. Hmm. Unfortunately, Crystal didn't return the affection in a way that pleased Tiffany, and this made Tiffany grow very bitter towards Crystal. We find out later that in Tiffany's diaries, she speaks about how she was aware that her feelings for Crystal were actually romantic in nature. I knew it. Yeah.
1: She's... That's you know, <laughs> she she had some feelings. I love for women, mm-hmm.
0: Not a bad thing. These pent up feelings fueled Tiffany's hatred for Crystal, and she blamed her for everything. Oh no! So if something was amiss in her life, it was Crystal's fault. We will see this hatred rear its ugly head later in the story. God. Now. When Crystal was 20, uh, Pastor Jerry told her uh, that he had picked a husband for her, a man named Art. He was a member of the church, but wasn't even a friend of Crystal's. They were just acquaintances. Crystal was told her job was to, quote, rein in Art's loyalties to the church. I'm sorry. So it was a matchmaking service as well as a church? It really is. And kind of what's fucked up. So Art was actually an ex-boyfriend of Helen's who... Like she had liked, but then they wouldn't let her marry him. And they said that art, uh, yeah, art was a ticking time bomb. But then Um. Pastor Jerry was like, art is for you, Crystal, and you need to rein in his loyalties. The man I call a ticking time bomb. Go marry him. That's great. Okay. That sounds absolutely wonderful. Seems fair. Seems fair. Okay. Well, Crystal saw it as an assignment from God and she submitted to Jerry. They dated for only a couple months and were married in November of 1999.
1: And it all went splendid happily ever after, right? Sure. Okay.
0: (laughs) She said, no. Now, uh, we're going to talk about Sarah. Sarah is Debbie's daughter that she brought into the marriage um, between her and Bruce. Sarah was the only member of the church that was able to not get shunned when she left, which was weird considering how she lived. Um, She dated, moved around a lot over a decade, got married and cheated on her spouse, but then they moved back to New York where they were allowed to attend WLCC even without being a member. Andrew was her husband's name. He finally stopped going after seeing Jerry reprimand Bruce and Debbie in front of the congregation. This made him feel super uncomfortable and after that, he was like, nope, I'm not going back. I'm with you. Mm Mm-hmm. After a year, uh, Sarah gave Andrew an ultimatum. She said, tithe 10% of your income or I'm divorcing you. Shit. Andrew couldn't afford it and said no. Like, I can not afford it? And he said no. So she left him. But Sarah then goes and attends college. And while there, she got pregnant two more times by two different men. She then moved back home and moved into the attic, making Christopher move into Lucas's bedroom. So now Sarah is back home with Bruce and Debbie and she is living in the attic and she has, at this point, I think three kids. Okay. She's, right now. I think that's all she had, three. Soon after she moved in, Grace, her sister, moved into the attic with Sarah and her kids per Tiffany's demand. So we find out later that the reason Grace was moved in there was because she said that allegedly Lucas had watched her take a shower and it made her uncomfortable this made Sarah turn the freaking attic into Fort Knox. Like she had locks upon locks upon locks. Oh God. With the doors going in and out of the attic. Here is what Crystal thinks happened. She says the bathroom was right next to the boys' bedroom and with the house being neglected um, and teenage boys there were holes in the wall. And there was a hole between their room and the bathroom. And she thinks that while Grace was showering, he looked over, caught a glimpse of her and then When being berated one time, he ended up confessing to seeing Grace shower and then it got turned into okay, this huge thing. Now, this isn't fact. It's just what she thinks happened based off of growing up in that home, knowing Lucas and being part of the cult. So, none of that's fact. That's just her opinion. Okay. So, Sarah was enmeshed with the Irwins as well. And for some reason, no matter what she did, she was welcome back time and time again. So Sarah flocked to them and she became their little tattletale. She would even keep an eye on her own mother, Debbie. As time went on, Sarah was growing more and more angry and took it out on her kids. She spanked them harder and harder and would brag about it in her emails to Tiffany saying, so-and-so got it so good. What? Her kids were even forced to study the Bible and do their schoolwork for hours. It was even revealed that it would take her first grader, a fucking first grader, guys, that's a six-year-old, so long to complete everything, he would be up until 2.30 in the morning.
1: That is so unhealthy. And also, they literally do not have that type of attention span. Like, you... know, You cannot. (laughs) You cannot.
0: This is a fucking six-year-old. Are you kidding me?
1: You're not learning anything past, like, 20 minutes. I
0: mean, the anger I have. Oh, now let's talk about the death of Jerry Irwin. Let's jump into that.
1: <laughs> the happy part, the palate cleanser, right?
0: <laughs> so in order to talk about the death of Jerry Irwin, we will talk about Tiffany Irwin. So Tiffany is the eldest daughter and, and she became her eldest child, not just eldest daughter. And she became self-ordained at 25. And by 2012, she took over most of her father's responsibilities in the church because in the years prior to 2012, Jerry's health has started to spiral downhill. He broke his foot several times because he had little to no feeling in his feet due to having diabetes and him not taking proper care of it. Chunker. Now, in May of 2012, he had a stroke. I wonder why. How's that direct line of God treating you? <laughs> I know, right? I wonder why he had a stroke. Maybe his blood pressure and his stress were Yeah, for screaming. Out of the fucking <laughs> roof. Jesus. But with this stroke, um, he wasn't taken to the hospital because uh, they believed that God could heal him. And they had all had a huge distrust with modern medicine. Jerry believed that doctors were trying to play God. Hmm. But he wasn't. (laughs) Thou dost protest too much there, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they're the ones trying to play God here. So good. Uh, so Jerry, after having a stroke, received treatment at home. Now, strokes can vary depending on the severity of them, but no matter how severe your stroke is, like you need to go to the hospital. It literally kills part of your brain, literally kills part of your brain. Um, but no, Jerry just received treatment at home and one of which was a, <laughs> a self-bought hyperbaric chamber that they had purchased for $30,000.
1: What in the hell in $47 million? What? Well, remember, they don't
0: work. All of their money comes from tithes what? from their congregation.
1: The 10% of
0: everyone's income. Mm hmm. I have 30, to leave, Goddamn right? $1,000 they spent on this hyperbaric chamber. What? Just wait. That's going to come bite them in the ass, okay? During this time, Tiffany became the assistant pastor and started preaching, but decided to make some changes. Uh, She turned service times from two hours to four hours and would play her sermons on the loudspeakers on repeat and wouldn't change it till she had given the next sermon, the next week's sermon. I tire of hearing my
1: voice when we finish
0: recording. Yeah.
1: That is some like next level
0: shit. Wow. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And mind you, during this time that Jerry is like recovering from the stroke, the church didn't know about it. Ah, He had a stroke. What was it? May? I don't think they told the church until August or like sometime in the summer. And then even after they finally told the church that he had a stroke, nobody saw them. Like he was just up in the third floor recovering and nobody could go up and see him. Weird. No one asked questions. Yeah, people ask questions. People tried to go and like sit them and pray. Oh, they just weren't saying anything. They just weren't allowed. They were not being given permission. Huh. No. Yeah. So in December of 2012, so mind you, he had the stroke in May. In December of 2012, Tracy, Jerry's wife, finally decided to take Jerry to a doctor in Illinois for treatments. But while they were on this trip, he died at the hotel room. Score. Sorry. At first <laughs> they said that they woke up and he had died in his sleep, but years later we find out that Tracy said that he had actually been in the hyperbaric chamber, like they had went to sleep, put him in the hyperbaric chamber, everyone went to sleep and then they woke up and he was dead in the hyperbaric in chamber. The
1: chamber, the fucking hyperbaric chamber killed I'm sorry. him. What is a hyperbaric chamber? It's like this. We will know, post but... a
0: picture of it on Instagram with this case. Think of just like a big plastic tube. Okay. What is the point of it? I, I think it like changes the oxygen level or something oh. within the air. Okay. Or something like that. I don't okay. know. But that yeah. It promotes healing kind of thing? Yeah. But like, I guess one of the, something got kinked or something came out. And so like, if if he died in the hyperbaric chamber... He suffocated to death. Hyperbaric
1: chamber. Oxygen therapy chamber. That's air pressure is increased two to three times higher than normal air pressures. So your lungs can gather more oxygen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: These are not regulated by the FDA.
0: No, not at all. And they paid $30,000 for basically a death chamber that took Jerry's life.
1: <laughs> they paid for his death. They paid are for you his
0: death. Me? They <sighs> literally paid for his death. Ain't that just the way? But. Okay, so they wake up, Jerry's dead, and they're like, oh my God,
1: what are you? But they still took
0: him, didn't they? Yeah, when this all came out, that like, oh my gosh, he actually died in the hyperbaric chamber. This was like after today's case happens. And they couldn't go back and like actually investigate it because Jerry was cremated. So oh. they were like, oh, shit. So it's not, it's allegedly, it's not a um, 100% fact. Now, when the church was informed of Jerry's uh, death, they all gathered at the church to try and resurrect Jerry while Tracy took his body to Arizona. She's in Illinois. She's They literally piled his body up in the church, in their van, and drove his body to Arizona to see the well-renowned Mel Bond of Agape Church because he performed healing miracles. She went to have Mel raise Jerry from the dead. That's tampering with a corpse. That's yeah. a crime. So when they arrived at the church, she gets out of the car. She's telling them like what she's there for, and they were like, ah, get the fuck out of here. You got a dead body in your car. Goodbye. We don't do those kind of miracles. They're like, uh uh-uh. <laughs> like we are conning everybody here. We can't have a dead body. We can't raise that from the dead. Get out of here, lady. I bet that stunk. I bet
1: that stunk. I
0: know. Well, it was pretty. He'd only been dead for a few hours. So I don't think it really stunk yet. I would think. Yeah, but imagine on the trip back. I don't know. It's wild, right? So they get Ugh. sent home. So she's like, oh, fuck. So they take Jerry's body back to Illinois and back to the hotel. I think it was like a timeshare they had. Um, up there something it was like a hotel or Airbnb type thing. They had a fucking timeshare. They did. I, they had a timeshare. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't. So they go back. And they end up calling the funeral home to come pick up the body. But the funeral home was like, um, man, you don't need to call 911. <laughs> you can't just be like, funeral home, we have a dead body. When <laughs> you come pick up? <laughs> I actually
1: didn't know that. I've never had to deal with a deceased person you know yeah,
0: because the cops have to like write off that it was like a natural death or like nothing suspicious they have to like look at the scene and like of course that would be the the coroner right but the police need to do their initial investigation you know
1: well i think they do have to document every single death too yeah just like outside of hospital paperwork or right death
0: certificates So when the cops arrived, they were suspicious. Uh, Tracy said he died at 9 a.m. on December 8th, but they didn't call the police till 3 a.m. on December 9th. Tracy lied and said that that she woke up at 9 a.m. to Jerry already dead and knew that medics couldn't save him, so she and her son stayed and prayed for him to be rose from the dead. Make it make sense. Okay. What'd you do? (laughs)
1: They're like, what'd you do?
0: (laughs) They they accepted it, though. They were like, all right. Fucking weirdness. All right. Yeah, they took the body and he was cremated and that was it. So yeah, moving forward, Tiffany was now the head pastor of WLCC. At first, the congregation thought she they would be getting a kinder and more loving preacher since she was in charge. At first, she was. She loosened some of the rules, especially not communicating with family outside the church. But it didn't take long for her sermons to follow in the footsteps of her loving father. She started requiring that the whole congregation keep journals that entailed every minute of their day. And they were to be turned into her every single week. Then the whole congregation had to start asking for permission to do everything. And when I say everything, I mean, can I lay down? Can I shower? Can I potty? seriously. Why would she want to have to advise on that? That's just power. I Mm. mean, she was drunk on power and control. She proclaimed that God would tell her about sins members committed and she would confront them. (sighs) This woman needs a
1: primary care
0: physician. That's all. And she learned all of this from her dad. This is all the life. She knows. Half
1: of it's not even her fault. Half of it is.
0: Yeah, she's still making the choices. But yeah, there definitely is like she was raised to believe all of this. She is literally 1000% brainwashed into believing and controlling.
1: And also people accepted it. Like the Mm -hmm. church accepted the the teachings and they, you know, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: not saying there's any blame on the on the members. They were definitely... Taken advantage of, but like, yeah, because she saw oh, other people accept this message. This is normalized. This is good. This is holy.
0: She would even have what she called counseling sessions with members. Uh, Linda, Linda, here we go. Linda, <laughs> Linda, and Joe, um, Tiffany's brother, also attended these sessions with Tiffany. In these sessions, if the member didn't admit to the sins, it would just go on and on and on for hours till one, two, three o'clock in the morning many would just confess to to just get the session to end. Like yeah, they just like a to police home. interrogation. Exactly. They're yeah. like, I'm just going to fucking confess to whatever the fuck you want me to. For the most part, sometimes it would turn physical, but I think the physical abuse during these was standing for long periods of time, doing push-ups, mm. things like that. It didn't get uh, violent, f- violent, violent until the tragic events of today's case. Well, I say <laughs> today. We're not really going to get into it till next time. Unfortunately, um, in 2014, things just started going downhill for Tiffany and the church. As all the Irwin kids got older, they all began to struggle mentally. They felt like everyone hated them. I wonder why. They felt lonely and angry and even thought about ending their lives. They felt as if every day they were fighting to just put one foot in front of the other. The brothers started doing weed, smoking cigarettes, drinking. Doing weed. <laughs> Doing weed, smoking weed. Did I say doing weed? I even wrote doing weed. <laughs> Naomi, the youngest Erwin, um, she started living her own life on her terms. She had a job, her own car. She danced provocatively, gave into her lustful thoughts without any regrets. She drank, cussed, partied, and didn't follow any of the rules. You know what? More fucking power to you, Naomi. After a big blow up with her family, she was kicked out. Um, around this time, many members defected. That's what they would call it when members would leave. This meant that the Irwins started struggling more and more financially. When no- Naomi went to file her taxes the first time after being kicked out, she requested from the church um, her giving statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church put them together, which... <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's illegal. Yes. And Naomi warned them that they had missed the deadline to get this to her and they needed to get these put out because, you know, we need her. Tax stuff, and they. She also told them that they had missed the deadline to renew their nonprofit status, and they could lose their property tax exemption, meaning the city could go after them to pay any rebates they had claimed but weren't entitled to, and go after the full property tax for every year their nonprofit status wasn't renewed. Oh my so she god! Was like <laughs> she's laying you it You got on. to owe some money. <laughs> yeah. Now this made them start to really spiral. They had massive debt from Jerry's treatments and Tiffany started to pressure the congregation into giving more. One day Tiffany said that God told her someone in the congregation was supposed to give a large sum of money and if they didn't something bad would happen <sighs> uh, that's just yeah and this would bad thing it would happen to somebody they loved. So, um, she announced that they owed $4,000 for utilities, $10,000 for repairs, for the roof, and $1,000 for the building fund. Now, after weeks of no one coming forward, Tiffany announced that God had told them who was supposed to give the money, and they were being disobedient. After service, Joseph, uh, I've called him Joe a few times, her brother, Mm -hmm. approached Crystal and told her that they knew it was her who was supposed to give this money. What She... Yeah, she was shocked. Uh Crystal is a stay at home mom with no job. Okay, where am I supposed to pull out like what is this, like fifteen thousand dollars? Well, if
1: they're subscribing to gender roles too, it can't fall in the woman, naturally, right? Right. Is
0: it, I know. But you have to remember Tiffany's hatred would always she had a hatred towards Crystal. And so this was her way of like just being
1: a bitch. Just it's fine. Your Barbie scissored, it's fine. Like yeah it's going to be okay. This is the worst goosebumps (laughs) story I've ever heard.
0: (laughs) Now, Crystal, her husband said that the money wasn't coming out of their account. Mm -hmm. And at this point, he was fed up with the abuse from the church and he started, he decided on this one, he's standing his ground. Crystal wanted to give the money, but she knew it would end her marriage and she was terrified. She spoke with Tracy and Tracy told her that, It's okay. There's ways that we can get the money, that you can give us the money, and Art doesn't have to know. Oh, God. That's suspicious. That's suspicious. One day, uh, Crystal's husband, Art, was on his way to the bathroom at church, and Tiffany walked past and greeted him. He missed it, like didn't see her walk past him, and he just... Didn't say anything. Now, when he made it back to the sanctuary, Daniel and Joseph, her brothers, berated him, even though he tried to say it was nasty. Like, I don't, I didn't know. She said, hi, I'm sorry, kind of thing. Hmm. At this point, Art was done. He was just like, fuck this shit. You know, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. He knew they didn't really hear from God. And he told Crystal he can't go back. It was hard, but Crystal agreed. And on July 9th, 2014, they went to WLCC for the very last time. On the following Monday, the 14th, Crystal announced through email that they were leaving the church. Now, quickly after Crystal left, so did a few other members. Again, making the Irwins struggle more and more financially. So like things are just spiraling downhill for the Irwins and finances are stressing. uh, Finances are getting piled on top of one another. So it's stressing them out. Like it's just not a good, good time for them. Yeah. Now, Tiffany made it known how upset she was about how these members had left in the form of a letter and not coming to her. She would call them cowards. In February of 2015, so this is a decent chunk of time, like eight months or so, um, Debbie had a heart attack. Tiffany blamed her rebellious lying heart um, and she got pissed at the Leonards for not inviting her to pray with them. What? Because Debbie had a heart attack. Like, you Like I'm mad. You didn't call me to come pray. Debbie's own daughter, Sarah, blamed her heart attack on her sin and told her she needed to be a better person. How about the, Her own daughter said that. Yeah.
1: Now no that words same, here. None.
0: Mm-hmm. Now that same year, Lucas was having problems with his knee. The knee he crushed in that accident. Yeah. Okay, now he went and got a scan and on this scan, it showed like some kind of anomaly and they were scared that it could be cancer. Now, again, the Leonards didn't invite Tiffany to pray over them and this again pissed her off. Tiffany actually, after this, told Lucas that it was cancer and that she had warned him (sighs) and he was rebellious and God was punishing him for it with cancer and it was going to kill him. What? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Why? Many times, uh, Tiffany... Heartless. Yeah. Many times, Tiffany would make Lucas have counseling sessions where he was berated the whole time. Linda, fucking Linda, would Mm. actually chant to Lucas, you're going to die. (gasps) You're going to die. Who the fuck does that?
1: Linda, we need to have a discussion. See, this is why I say
0: Linda. Like, she just wanted to take it to a new level because she wanted to, like, be so evil that the Irwins were like, you're amazing. I swear.
1: It's like that show out kid, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And this whole time that Lucas was in these like counseling sessions and he's being berated by both Tiffany and Blinda, his parents are standing there and they're just having to take all of this abuse and listen to their child be berated as well. Now, on August 6, 2015, Crystal had visited her grandma in a nursing home, but when she arrived, her father and Lucas were there too. This was the first time that she had saw them in a really long time. Crystal says that this time was like a mini reunion, and her father embraced her with a really tight hug. Now, that following Sunday, so I think this kind of sparked something in Lucas, and that following Sunday, Lucas texted Crystal and asked if he could go to church with her, to her church. And she, of course, said yes. And that Sunday, she picked him up outside their house and he got to see what life was like at a normal fucking church. Now, when Tiffany found out about Lucas going to church with Crystal, she was livid. We are not shocked. Now, like I said earlier, remember, people are leaving steadily. The church has just gone off. You know, members have been depleting. Finances are depleting. She's losing control. She's losing control. And she for some reason, fucking hates the Leonards. And she hates Crystal. She hates that Crystal's leaving. And now Lucas going to church with Crystal, does this mean that Lucas wants to leave? Does this mean that Lucas is going to leave the church? And if Lucas leaves, is he going to take the whole Leonard family? And this is our income. What are we going to do? Yeah.
1: How,
0: how do I do? What, how do I handle this? Two months later, on Sunday, October 11th, 2015, church lasted hours. They finally ended and took a break at 6 p.m. Huh. <laughs> who the fuck has at 6 p.m.? <sighs> During this break, Bruce took Lucas to go feed and take care and like let out a dog that he was like dog sitting for. Mm-hmm. But before they could leave, they had to get special permission from Tiffany. Now, Tiffany said yes, but she was pretty upset and that they needed to leave the church. And she thought that Lucas was just lying, that he didn't really have a dog. Oh know, like, who would let you take care of a dog? she's <sighs> such a bitch.
1: Now, no, Bruce say. and Lucas,
0: uh, they get back, they go do this stuff and they come back and they get to the church around 7 p.m. So they're only gone for roughly an hour. Church resumes at 7. And it goes till around 10 p.m. Now, during her sermon from 7 to 10 p.m., she berated the Leonard's about practicing witchcraft, more specifically Debbie and Lucas, this whole entire time. She's like, you're practicing witchcraft. <laughs> Lucas started admitting to it and said he didn't want to stop rebelling. I think he um, and Crystal even says this uh, that she thinks he was just kind of over it and he was a little snarky. He's a teenager and he was just like, "Oh yeah, fuck it, yeah, Yeah, what you gonna do about it?" Kind of thing. Fight the man, exactly,
1: or the woman, the
0: moment, right? The it. She asked about uh Tiffany asked about specific times that he would quote practice witchcraft. Um, and Lucas said that he had made voodoo dolls of her or a voodoo doll of her, and he would wish for the service to end. And it would. So like that was magic. Like, yeah, I wish the service went, oh. and it would end. Yeah. And he would try and use a Ouija board to cast spells so that Tiffany would die. <laughs> So he's admitting he's admitting all of this. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of this like teenage boy who's just like, I'm I have to give it fucking over too. your bullshit, you know? Now, unfortunately, it took a really dark turn and Lucas starts admitting to wanting to molest little children. Oh my. Yeah. Now, remember, when the members would get berated by Tiffany, it lasted hours and most of the time, people would just confess to these things that yeah. they never did just to get it to end and yeah. to go home because they would last so long. In my opinion, along with him kind of being snarky, he was probably doing this as well, like just wanting to go home. So like, okay, I'll just admit like shock factor and shock to... factor. And yeah, I just want to go yeah. home and like let this end. Yeah. yeah. Now he had been at the church all day. He just, he just wants to go home and sleep probably. Yeah. Now when service ends around 10 o'clock, Tiffany asked the Leonards to stay for a counseling session. Now, everybody who stayed for this counseling session was Lucas, his brother, Christopher, Bruce and Debbie, his parents, Mm -hmm. Sarah, his sister, Tiffany, the pastor, Daniel, Joseph, her brothers, Tiffany's brothers, Linda, and Linda's son, David. Now, Tracy, Tiffany's mom, was also there, but she was in the third floor house. Like, she just went up to their house. So, she was at the thing, but not in the counseling session. She was though. Tracy was being kept up to kept up to what was going on during this whole counseling session through text message, through I think her sons or something like that. Okay. Now immediately Tiffany started in on Lucas. She brought up him going to Crystal's church and accused him of wanting to escape so he could continue rebelling. Now she asked him why he wanted to go with his sister to her church. Lucas responded that he went because it gave him an opportunity to molest his sister's children while they were driving to church. What? After he admitted to this, Christopher was made to come and stand next to Lucas. And immediately Linda slaps uh, Christopher. <gasps> Instantly, all the women start berating both boys with questions. Who, when, where, how? The boys stayed silent. Then out of nowhere, Joseph, Tiffany's brother, punched Lucas in the back and the beating began. Oh no. And that's where I'm gonna end for part one.
1: <laughs> oh no! This is the uh, worst type of cliffhanger, or like it. It. I thought that was a good cliffhanger for anxiety-inducing part one. End. I know, I know. Uh, that's fine. It'll just yeah. keep us coming back
0: for more. That's it'll fine. Come, it'll have you come back for part two because oh boy, it gets wild in part two. That's so much. So yeah, that was very. What did I say? Culty, very culty. Very culty. I'll say. We need, a, we need a palate cleanser on that one because we haven't even gotten to the down and dirty uh, bad stuff of, of this whole thing. What uh, is your palate cleanser? Palette cleanser? Um, uh, my kids, most of my kids started school.
1: Oh, that's a good thing. Uh,
0: yes, and my uh, toddler starts school next week. And so I will finally have literally six hours in my house will be quiet when she goes to school in a handful oh, my of days. I mean, excitement doesn't even begin to describe how I feel. Really. That's great. I'm so pumped. So yeah, I'm that's, that's my palate that. cleanser. What's your palate cleanser there, Lola?
1: <laughs> what is mine? Mine is, um, my dog is snoozing. Oh she's snoozing. The, the rain made her scared. So in Aww. the middle of the show, she came over to me and just, she's asleep now. She's so good. She's so good. Our Her dogs are the best. Our she's, little twinsy dogs. I know they're so know. good. They're so she's always my palate cleanser. And I know, right? <laughs> Every single day, she, just... she's the best. She's the gospel to me. Mm-hmm. Really.
0: All right. Well, that was all for part one. We will see you guys next week in part two. Yes. Bye. Don't join a cult. Don't. Don't do that. Don't do that. Also, heathens,
1: if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on and remember to bring your sacrifice to the blood ritual. Just kidding. A review will suffice. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Cowell. Thanks for listening.